Matt Stepp, you just got back from Big Bend country. My question to you is why didn't you stay? I'm waiting for the satellite office in Alpine to open. Tap and step. Your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends, your amigos at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep, Greg Tepper. And I'm the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love you very, very much. You are our very most favorite people. Uh, and, and, by the way, sounds like Step. More of them now. Yeah, I, I think people want uh, a certain publication that comes out. Who says print media is dead? Yes. <laughs> it's not. Please keep buying the, the magazine. Please? Please? Please. Um, yes. A very specific 400-page magazine that yes. comes out once a year? If this is, you know, do you, do you get this a lot? Do you get that, like, I hear this a ton, and I'm not sure how to take it. Like, I appreciate it, but I get from people all the time, I hear, man, you guys have the only magazine I buy like every year like it's the like do you, do you hear that a lot i do hear it quite a bit yeah 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 it's it's like well and look i want you guys to go out there and support all print media i want to be very clear that i want you guys to go out there and uh you know uh help out our brethren in print media but if we are the only um if we're the only ones that you uh that you buy um okay i mean i guess I guess we'll take it. That's cool. That's that's cool by me. I'm not gonna. I'm not necessarily going to complain. This if you're is, only gonna buy one, buy the summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas. Hundred percent. That is, that is. I would say the um the the best way to 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 put it. So if you if you're but only gonna buy one, support your local newspaper too. Yes. Well, I'm at it. But if you if you have to choose one, sorry guys, we're we're gonna we're gonna be selfish. Yes. Then I want you guys to to do that. So, this is your June. Mid June, Juneish yeah. edition of of Teppenstein. Earlyish, mid Juneish. Yeah. That's know. not to say we won't do another one. You know, I'm not I'm not categorically opposed to doing another one in June. But I'll tell you that that step. This obviously, you know, we've done June podcasts before, but this obviously has a little bit of a different feel because normally we would be doing we'd be knee deep in seven on seven stuff. Yeah, we'd be. We'd Two weeks out from state seven on seven, basically at this point. Um, so yeah, we'd be we'd be knee deep in it and, re- and getting ready to go down to College Station and have have a lot of fun and roast our rear ends off in College Station. But but it's it's a labor of love. But unfortunately, uh, thanks a lot, COVID. We don't have that, so we're we're stuck with uh, non seven on seven summer this year. Yeah, it is, and we're going to get into that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the rollout of the. Um, of, of the state, r- rather, of the um, uh, the workouts and, and the UIL and, and, and what you've seen in traveling across the state uh, and seeing uh, uh, seeing workouts firsthand. I want to hear a little bit from, from that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we're going to take a look at your regional preview. Specifically, I want to take a look at 6A. Uh, just early, just way too early kind of look at 6A. You've done a deep dive on TexasFootball.com. I kind of want to pick your brain. I've got a couple questions about what you're thinking as far as 6A is concerned. And then... We're gonna wrap it all up with a little bit of Big Ben talk because you you made your pilgrimage. I did, I did. I uh, went out and 
went out to God's country, uh, the Big Bend region of Texas, and mixed in some work while I was out there. But it was uh, it was really an excuse to go to Big Bend. Let's let's just I'm, I'm gonna put my cards on the table. I want I want to hear all about that coming up here in a minute. But but first and foremost, Matthew, we will start as we always do with your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. Matt Stepp, there were, let's see, let's see if I can do math. There were 20 11-man UIL teams that made a state championship last year, right? There are 10 state championship games. There are two of them that have a grand total, that that are tied for the most returning starters this year. Uh, Both of them are returning 16 starters. I will I will ruin that for you. What are the okay. two the, what are the two teams, the two state finalists from a year ago that bring back the most starters? Uh so Mart. Mart is one of them. Mart brings back eight starters on offense and eight starters on defense. And this is a tough one. The second one's tough. Uh is it Grandview? It is not Grandview. Grandview, uh, although Grandview's not not too far behind, they bring back seven on offense and five on defense. Uh, it is the Post Antelopes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Post brings back sixteen starters, eight on offense and eight on defense from last year. And I was actually looking this up. They actually, this is kind of incredible. They bring back. They have eight starters coming back on offense. They have nine offensive all-district players coming back. Figure that one out. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, it's, that's... They were... I mean, when we were talking about it, heading into that game against Refuria, we were like, man, the thing about Post is that, like, you know, and, and I think we viewed it kind of as a... Um, not even as a knock, but just, like, as a marveling at the novelty of, like, this is a really junior-heavy team. Like, a lot of those key pieces had... They really were. They were really young last year. When we, we, we watched them the two times we saw post-play. They were they were very young, and uh, we kind of thought, you know, this this team's probably going to be back next year. Yeah, I mean, they've got a, they've got a great shot to, to be back. But, yeah, I mean, you look up and down, I mean, like, Slayton Pittman's back, Tate Perez is back, Nathan McDaniel's back, Ashton Jefferson's back. Like, a ton of guys are back from last year's squad uh, for post. You know, Mart... Mart's not a surprise. Mart was the layup in this, in this one because, you know, for those who don't know, Mart is going to be really good again. Yeah, they're, they might win five in a row. Well, that, was, just, that yeah. was the thing. Is I, like, I, was, I was doing a Waco radio interview this week, and I um, and, and there were got, like the guys asked me, you know, because we've been unveiling the top tens of our rankings, and Mart this is the number one team in 2A Division two. And I, Mart, I, I mentioned to them, I was like, guys, like we were kind of calling this in 2018. Because in 2018, when they went back to back, and I, I think, you know, I, I want to see if you agree with me, that was the year to get them. Like yeah, I, yeah. Last year was the year, and, and Hamlin, to their credit, almost got it done. Mm-hmm. You know, they really pushed Mart, and that was a that was a good ball game uh, in the state championship game. And 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 you know, there's a good chance Hamlin comes back. So I mean, they're they're ranked in the top five and and all that. But I mean, it, to me, if you put a gun to my head and said you got to pick one team to win state, who's it going to be? It's in any classification, it's Mart. I, oh. I think they're uh, 
significant favorite. Uh, you know, it's Mart in the field, and I'm taking Mart. Yeah, I, I tend to think that you're right. You know, if you, if you missed it, we rolled out. We've been rolling out our top tens. The top ten in, in two A Division two. Uh, Mart one, Hamlin two, Stratford three, Wellington four, Winthorst five, Wink six, Bremont seven, Albany eight. Uh, Fall City nine and Munster ten, um, and and yeah, I think that when you take a look at these these teams, it's like, you know, somebody's going to have to. And and by the way, Hamlin's got a good amount coming back this year too. Like Hamlin's not going to lay down, but they would not see them until a championship game. And if you go back there, if you go and look at our rankings, and this is this is what what I think is. It's kind of that. It's the difference between the 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 kind of casual high school football fan who maybe knows which teams are good, and like the nerd that like when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, okay, um, Mart is on the right side of the bracket. The next six teams in the in the in our ranking or next five teams in the rankings are on the left side of the bracket, and yeah, and then you get Bremont, who's in their own district, you know, yep. and, and it's it's. It's really region one, region two is a, is a good field this year. It's going to be a real battle to see who advances out of the, out of that side of the bracket. The problem is, is you may be a little bit beat up, and you're having to go up against Mart to to win it all. That's yeah. a, that's going to be a chore. That's that's the thing. So there you go. Your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. All right, Matt. Uh, we have some uh, football ball going on. Some some kinds of football ball going on um, as summer workouts have begun across the state that's that's where you've been the last week basically is uh going to these summer workouts um i i i haven't really talked we've texted a little bit and talked a little bit but i haven't really talked with you a ton um when you're talking with these coaches and when you are um you know you're at these these um these practices, these these workouts, you know what what are your big takeaways? What are you seeing? I know you've been to a ton of summer workouts in your in your career covering football. Uh, what are what are you noticing whenever you're you're, you're at these workouts? So I, I notice the, the the first thing you notice is definitely um, the coaches are very cognizant of trying to follow the rules for the most part. Um, you know, you, you know, I, I've, several coaches have commented that they've spent more time talking, not, I don't want to say yelling, but, but getting on to the kids about making sure that they distance and making sure because kids, number one, kids are, are, they're social creatures and they're not as worried about COVID probably as like adults are because they're kids and they got, they're, they're invincible. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you turn around and, 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 you know, you're running through drills and you, you tell them to stay, you know, separated while they're waiting to start their drill and they're playing grab ass basically. Cause that's what kids do. They congregate, they want to hang out. They haven't seen their friends in a long time. And so they, they, they tend to kind of mass together if you don't stay on them, all the time you know one coach said they're like bear cubs they're just kind of climbing all over all over each other and just playing basically playing grab ass yeah um and so that's a big challenge i think for coaches to 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 try to wean kids off of their natural instinct and then you know one coach you know several, several coaches told me you know you know we, we're doing a good job of keeping them separated he goes but as soon as they leave six of them pile in a car and go swimming mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I just think that's just the nature of kids. And I, I just think, you know, as much as coaches try to control them, as soon as they're done with done for the day, they go back to their normal life outside of school and they are just hanging out doing what normal kids do. Right or wrong, that's just what they're going to do. And I don't, I don't know at this point, you know, I have, I have kids 
and you know my oldest daughter she's 20 and i you know i, I go vi go visit her at her house and she's she's coming back and she's got a, you know five girls in the car with her and her you know it's just yeah that's just how kids are so i think that's going to be a big challenge for coaches is to try you know is even during practice making sure the kids stay separate as much as possible but i think the drills i think surprisingly it's been pretty efficient because as much as we talk about kids uh wanting to, wanting to hang out with each other kids adapt to change usually better than adults yeah and so once the kids get the routine it's pretty much normal for them and it's no big deal and i think the whole check-in process answering the questions, getting their temperature taken, bringing their own water, um, not being able to use the locker room. I think all that's fine because, like, the kids adapt better better to change than adults do typically. So I think that part has gone smooth. And I think most coaches are just really happy that they're able to get some work in. Um, and I, I think the uh, loosening of the restrictions, I got a little more clarity on the loosening of the restrictions, um, mainly the, the 20 to 1 ratio. What was happening at a lot of schools is so many kids were showing up because parents want to get the kids out of the house mm -hmm. that didn't have enough no schools have enough coaches to maintain a 20 to 1 ratio because so many kids are showing up and what's happening is is you know they're having you know 300 because you get to think there's girls showing up as well there's 350 girls 350 athletes, girls and boys showing up for a workout and there's not enough coaches because you would need like 15 or 16 coaches to, to maintain that 20 to one ratio. And what was happening is, is schools were, their coaches were having to stay there basically 12 hours to ensure they could get all the workouts in. Right. And so I think that was the biggest reason why they kind of loosened that rule up because just to, cause yeah, remember these coaches technically aren't getting paid right now. You know, most, some school districts don't, you know, offer to pay the coaches, but it's not a requirement. So I think a lot of head coaches and athletic directors are, you know, feel really bad about keeping their coaches there for really long days when they're not getting paid or getting paid very little. Now, granted they were getting paid for three months prior without doing much work but you know i think coaches generally want to try to make sure their 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 coaching staff is taken care of and if they have to work for free they want to try to limit how long they're working for free so i think that's the reason why the uil loosened the rule as far as 20 20 to 1 ratio yeah and, and, and i can understand that um i i certainly can understand that uh, i will say and this is you know we're on the premium podcast so i don't necessarily mind speaking my mind a little bit more um i thought it was pretty um, surprising to see them. I'm okay with with the twenty to one going away simply because it sounds like that just wasn't a really wasn't real functional. It wasn't, wasn't a, real functional. Yeah, I mean, and I get that. You know, look, this is unprecedented. They're they're trying to lay out. They're they're going to be misfires as far as you know things. Hey, this sounds like a good idea, but then once you start doing it, you're like, oh wait, like there's there's no way to make this work. You know what I mean? Like I I, I certainly re I certainly appreciate that. The other stuff makes me a little bit nervous and the the uh, like pretty much immediately upping the um the capacity for the indoor workouts like the weight rooms that you know they're moving from 25% to 50% um like clearly that this means that they were just on a schedule right that they were just like yeah. that they had already they had already figured out all right we're going to roll it out and then we're going to do on the 22nd you're going to do this and like I this is me. I would have preferred, and I'm I'm you know I'm Mr. Cautious when it comes to this stuff. Um, but I would have preferred to see. Let's wait two weeks. Let's see how things go, 
And then if things look like they're going okay, I would like to see them in, in you know, then, you know, yeah, maybe you, you give coaches a heads up. Hey, by the way, uh, this may be coming. So prepare as if it is, but we are not going to announce that it's for sure happening until we have like an evidence-based reason to do it. Because more or less, this basically said to me that when the UIL came up with those guidelines, they had already come up with phase one, phase two, and they were on basically like timers. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, I, I, and that's that's my take. I think this was already pre- pre-planned. Uh, I, I don't think the optics are great. I'm just going to be honest. I think maybe it would have been better, even if they would have waited until like, you know, next Friday yeah. and then announce say, hey, on Monday, June 20. It could have still been June 22nd, but let's wait until like Thursday or Friday of next week and go, hey, on Monday, we're going to up it to 50%. You guys have the weekend to adjust your workout schedule. Most coaches would have been able to adjust it really quick. Yeah. So I think optics would have looked a little bit better if they would have waited, but obviously it didn't, and they're they're moving forward, and you know we'll see how it goes. I, I definitely think in the eight schools that I visited over the past couple of days um, were all to a T really really cautious about everything going on. They were they were taking it very seriously, mm-hmm. and they were while the kids were on campus, they were absolutely following the rules um, to a T. You know, there were some misfires, you know, and that kind of thing, just because, you know, the first couple, you know, Monday was a little weird, you know, and then you know, Tuesday, Wednesday got a little bit, little bit better. So um, I, I think, but everybody's very cognizant of ensuring uh, they're following the rules. You and know, I, there was one school where, uh, again, like you said, you know, you because the, the one school, I won't say the school name, but there was a the girls were on one field and the boys were on another field working out. Yeah. And then they dismissed at the same time. And then you go out in the parking lot and there's like a set of about 20 of them, 10 girls, you know, g- girls and guys that have congregated in the parking lot talking at, at, at on, by the cars. And then, so then the coaches come out and you're yelling at the kids to separate and get out of here, you know, but again, once they get out of there, what are they going to what, what are they going to do? Probably right. They're probably going to go swimming together. You know, it's just, it's, that's yeah. kind of the challenge that's going on is you're you're this is not in kids' nature to be like this. Well, and and what I think is really interesting, you know, and I'll I'll peel back the curtain a little bit, but uh, on Monday, and I had talked with you about this. On Monday, I wanted to go out. Me and Pickle wanted to go out to a couple of to a practice, right, and just you know get like get some B roll, get a sound bite, uh, you know, from a coach. Basically, you know, I, I hate to say it, but like basically have a coach just say into a microphone, "Man, it's just so great to have the kids back." You know, you know, we're we're working hard, but more importantly, it's just just great to be around kids, right? You know what I mean? Like like just get a sound bite and maybe talk to a kid and say, hey, how's this been different, et cetera, et cetera. And I reached out to three different coaches and those three coaches, like, and, and they're great guys. And I don't hold this against them because I totally understand. But basically they were saying, look, day one, we're going to be learning too. And, 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 and I think there was this fear and I think a well-founded fear of if you're going to bring a camera out there, I don't want us still trying to figure out how this is going to work to get captured on camera and then it goes to my super and then I'm in I'm up I'm up a creek and it's yep. like I get I totally get it and I I told all those coaches I'm like coach I totally understand I get that 100% because you know look I think that we say all the time that coaches are creatures of habit and every one of these coaches has been to a million summer workouts and so imagine doing a, something a million times and then having to install all of these protocols to do pretty much everything differently. Like that's a huge yep. challenge for these coaches. Yeah, absolutely. And and it we you know, they don't want to get something caught unintentionally on camera or they're really trying to do the right thing, but just because it's the first time and they're trying to make sure that they're working through it, um, 
they want to get something on camera that can get them in trouble. So I, I totally get it. I, I think everyone's being, but I, I like that caution by the coaches. I like the fact that they're really cognizant of, of, of everything going on. And let's kind of, you know, dip our toes in the water and try not to, you know, go all in right away. Let, let's ease into this thing a little bit. And, you know, and talking to certain schools, you know, some of them are only bringing the high schoolers in right now. They're not bringing the junior high kids in right now um, because they want to make sure they work out the kinks with the high schoolers before they start bringing in uh, junior high kids for workouts and that kind of thing. So I, I, I definitely think there's a lot, there's, there's, there's high alert with everyone and they're trying to make sure they, they go through it and do the right things. But and, and overall, then, yeah. great to see work. I mean, it was great to be out at, at practices and summer workouts, seeing kids working. And every coach I talked to was just in a, in a wonderful mood and just really happy to be with, with the kids again. And the kids were all in a good mood. Every school I went to where the kids are working out, like I said, there was huge numbers. And every, you know, every coach I talked to says we have way more kids than we, we've ever had before at workouts. The kids are r- r- ready to get out of the house, and, and they're out there working and, and kind of getting some sense of normalcy again. To me, like that was another thing, and, and, and it, it just speaks to the strangeness of this time and the unprecedented nature of this time. That um, there was a tweet. It was like I guess it was last week. It seems like seven million years ago, but it's from last week of Chris Gilbert over at Lancaster, and he sent out a tweet basically saying, uh, "Like alumni, I love you guys, but we can't have you coming to practice." And I thought, "Holy cow!" I didn't even think about that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. how often do you go to a summer workout and, uh, you know, guy who's in college, right? Just comes back to, yeah. you know, run some- guy playing, you know, D2 ball or, you know, guys that are playing D1 ball, they kind of have their own workouts going on. But some guy plays D3 ball or yeah. D2 ball or, yeah. or and, whatever and, and, and comes back and gets some work in. Yeah, just get some work in and, you know, chop it up with the, chop it up with the new players and, and see the coaches. Like, that's extremely common. And, like, I hadn't even thought about that. And, and to me, that's what speaks to the moving target of this is that there are all of these things that you would never, ever think of. Right. Yeah. That then suddenly you're responsible. Or like, for. Uh, I, you know, on my, on my travels. So, you know, I, I, did, I did an interview with San Angelo Central coach Brett, De- Brett, uh, Brent Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it in the parking lot of Roses <laughs> because San Angelo right now is not letting. I think today they may have actually allowed media to cover the practice. Like uh, uh, Tuesday, they were, it was no parents, no one. It was coaches and players only yeah. on campus. The parents could drop the kid off and they had to leave. No media on campus or anything. So I had to – coach was like, I'm really sorry. You know, and I said, coach, totally get it. You know, you, you're following the rules, and, and I get it. Um, he was like, after practice, he's like, let's just meet somewhere. So I, we met at Rose's right there by San Angelo Stadium in the parking lot. I did the interview in the parking lot of a Rose's Cafe. So shout out Rose's Cafe. If you want to sponsor <laughs> – <laughs> what a grinder. What a grinder. Um, but that, you know, and, and, and I think that kind of segues into another thing I wanted to ask you about, which is uh, the news that came, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, the news that came down last night, Wednesday night, that of what's going on at West Orange Stark, uh, that a player at West Orange Stark uh, has tested positive for COVID. And obviously, first and foremost, we hope that he's okay. Uh, but... That means that, or what that meant is that West Orange Shark has said, "All right, we're done with practices for two weeks. Like we're just work, we're, we're canning it." And that's where I've settled on this. I, I think the question you and I have probably gotten more than any other question is, "Hey, is there going to be football in the fall?" Right? Everybody wants to know. Hey, is there going to be a high school football season? And and the truth is, we don't know, right? But if we were to, if I was to guess. 
I would tell you, yeah, you know, there's going to be, in some form or fashion, there's going to be high school football in the fall. All indications are that there are going to be there's going to be high school football in the fall. For better or for worse, Texas is full speed ahead, and there's going to be football in the fall. Now, this does bring up, I'm a lot more interested in this part of it, where what happens inevitably, and it is, I mean, I, I hate, again, I'm not wishing on people, but inevitably, there are going to be kids who test positive in the fall. Like, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's, an, it's an inevitability. I mean, kids get sick, vir- viruses, and this is a virus that's circulating through the community. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. It's already happened with West. I'm surprised it's, West, it's only West Orange Stark right now, um, honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a virus that's circulating in, in the community, you know, much like. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, upper, you know, some weird Corona, you know, the common cold, you know, yeah. co- the common cold floats around the community. The flu floats around the community. It's a virus. It's, it's transmitted mm-hmm. respiratory. So yeah, there's probably going to be many more, many more instances of this. And so I think, yeah, the, yeah. Big question is going to be how each district handles it from talking to folks about the West Orange Stark situation. West Orange Stark did not have, they didn't have to shut down summer workouts. Yeah. Now they, they, all they had to do was shut down the group that that kid was in, but then they, out of abundance of caution, went on ahead and shut everything down for two weeks, mm-hmm. um, which in the summer you can do. I'll be interested to see what happens if this happens in week four. Yeah. Like what happens, you know, you just you just broke the news earlier today that, uh, you know, what Spring Westfield is going to play is Duncanville, Duncanville. They're gonna play yeah. Duncanville in Georgetown. Right. Uh, what happens if um, one of the players for Duncanville uh, tests positive on the on Tuesday, right? Tuesday before the Friday game. Well, OK, I, it's easy to say that kid's not going to play. Right. That's fair to say you're going to you're going to quarantine him. But what do you do? And that's that's still a big big looming question that I think is going to be interesting to see how the UIL handles it because the UIL could could mandate and I don't think they will but they could say hey if you have a kid test positive um, you know they could they could issue their own restrictions for it because another thing and pickle brought this up on TFT today let's say that uh, let's say let's take the spring Westfield Duncanville example let's say that they go play the game at Georgetown and then Monday the quarterback, for Spring Westfield uh, tests positive for coronavirus. Do you, what do you do with Duncanville? Yeah. In a perfect world, there is enough testing to go around where the school district can obtain tests Mm -hmm. for every player and administer a test. And then you isolate the kids who are positive and isolate them for two weeks and the kids who aren't positive and it's just like a two-week injury right you isolate the kids that are positive for two weeks right and then kids who are negative they keep trucking along as normal but is that availability going to be there for testing in in august you know or september or whatever the case may be and then also i mean i i have not personally taken a coronavirus test i think there's like a it takes a day or two to get the results from what i've heard it's between 48 and 72 hours so it's between two and three days so now you're you know let's say let's just say hypothetically they have the testing capability well um you know you test them all on monday well now you're waiting until wednesday or thursday to get the results you can't practice you can't do anything and you got another game to play on friday so um i don't know if there's ever if if somebody's going to develop a a quicker test or anything like that but that's kind of there's there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of uniqueness this year we're just going to have to 
be ready for it and deal with it. And I think we're going to see variations on how individual school districts handle it. Unless, because I don't, I agree. You know, the UIL is big on local control. We all know that. And I just don't know if the UIL is going to give specific guidance like that outside of what the CDC or the, the state, the state government says. Right, and 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 that's you know, it's there's so many. That's why I like. I'm, I'm I swear, and I swear, I'm not trying to scare people. Like I promise, but. As somebody who covers this sport and wants to see this sport succeed, right? But obviously, also, most importantly, I want everybody to be safe. And and so these are these questions that I just see coming, and they have to be answered. And maybe, you know, part of it is that I'm the, I'm the husband of a, of a school teacher. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of, of you know, she's, she has no idea what fall is going to look like for her, for her students. And, and, and so there's just still these, these unknowns. What I do know is that it's going to look different. There's going to be it's going to be a lot different. I don't know about the fans. I don't know about you know uh, you know what happens if somebody gets gets tested. A lot of that or get test positive. I think a lot of that is going to come down to um, you know to local control of what they want that to look like. But I just want people to start wrapping their heads around this because otherwise, I think you're going to get to the fall and you're going to be like, wait, what the heck is this? And yeah, you, just want to, you, don't, you don't want to be blindsided. Exactly. You, you would. I think as a as a if I you know. You know, as a high, as a fan, uh, you know, Everman is my high school. I should be prepared for the possibility that if a kid gets sick from Everman, there's a, a greater than zero chance they may forfeit two games because they may just not play. Right. You know, and I think everyone of the, your team, everyone has to be at least be prepared for that because that's that's like the most drastic measure that a, that you could take is you just completely shut the football program down for two weeks. Well, everybody else is going to keep playing, so you may have yeah. to forfeit two games and you just have to be prepared for that 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 possibility you know that's that's just something you got to wrap your mind around it's just strange times it's just strange times so um anyway that's that's the latest in in you know now that we're actually getting football back on the field and it's just you know it's so great to see football back you know in some form or fashion um it's just gonna you know things are gonna get complicated but i i have been and i think you you know you were talking about as well i have been encouraged by um the coaches that I've seen on social media and the coaches that, that I know you, I've talked to that are saying, you know, we're taking this seriously. We know that, that it's in our hands now, that we've got to make sure we get this right or else there's not going to be a season in the fall. And and furthermore, it does sound like, at least while they're at practice, uh, these players are taking it seriously too, for the most part, which is, is a that's, that's what you need. We all got to be pulling the rope in the same direction if we're going to have football in the fall. So there's that. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about what you've got up on TexasFootball.com. You've been rolling out your uh, your regional outlooks because there is no seven on seven, and I just can't stress enough that there is no seven on seven. Um, you know anything that you guys are seeing those those tournaments, those rogue tournaments that were coming. Out. I guess have we recorded a podcast since then? Since the whole seven uh, on seven, I don't think we did. I don't think we did. I think we did record it and talk yeah. about that. That yeah, it's just uh, chip seven on seven. Yeah, I mean. Guys, uh, look, I'm I'm trying to be nice about it. I really am, but it's like there's a difference between a not-for-profit and a for-profit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm not I'm not trying to be a jerk, and you know if, if if you're if you're if you're I don't begrudge anybody trying to you know trying to 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 to, to make a make a buck, but it's like you know the, the like the the board of the state seven on seven tournament, you know they ain't cashing these giant checks to take home. You know, do that. They, you know, that that's a nonprofit organization, and so these these other tournaments that are popping up, it's like just 
I'm always just really, it always makes me, this is, you know, we're on the premium podcast, I don't mind saying it. It always just makes me tense whenever people are asking high school kids for, for money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just, absolutely. Yeah. It, it just makes me tense. But in any case, you got something up on TexasFootball.com. You're going rolling through your, your regional outlooks. And you've, you've gotten through 6A. You're into 5A now. And I think this is a good opportunity to take a look at, at 6A writ large. Of course, we're going to have, um, we're rolling through running out our, our top 10 rankings. Uh, and so I guess next week sometime we will get to 6A and you'll be able to see the, the top 10 in 6A. But you've got your regional outlooks. You've, you've predicted every district. And I guess I should I guess I should should mention to people that um, um, I, I, I guess I should mention to people that, uh, yeah, by the way, this is not necessarily, um, you know, it's OK if we have differing opinions. You know, we're going to yeah. you know, you're going to have you're going to have some things in your in your previews that we don't. You know, you're going to have some predictions that we don't, and, and, and we're going to have some things that you don't, and that's okay. The, the magazine's a team effort. You know, it's not yeah. just Matt Stepp's pre- predictions. It's not just Greg Tepper's yeah. predictions. It's a it's a team effort. The articles that I'm that we're putting on TexasFootball.com are, are Matt Stepp's predictions. Yeah. So. And so you've got uh, you've got your regional outlooks up on um, uh, for, for each one. Um, and, and I guess I'm, I'm interested from, from a 6A perspective – you know, for the longest time, for a while, at least for the last alignment cycle, all eyes were on Region Three, right? The the region of uh, you know the, with all the, basically the Houston area. And it was just all some, seems seemed like every single great team was in was in Region One, and especially was going up to Division One. As you were kind of going through these regional outlooks. Um, is Region Three still where your eyes immediately go, or or do you see like there's a little bit more balance now? There's a little more balance. I, I still think Region Three, top to bottom, in Division One is is the the top region, but I I think there's a little more balance this year. I think Division Two as a, as a whole, top to bottom, has a chance to be a little bit better uh, than it has been, um, and I think uh, re- Division One Region Two is going to be a lot of fun this year. I I really feel like um, that region has uh, taken some steps forward, and 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 there's some really good ball clubs in in Division One, namely Duncanville. Uh, but you know, uh, moving over from from Region One to Region Two, but you look at I think Spring Westfield could potentially be a Division One team again this year. They're going to be over there. I think uh, I think Klein Oak is going to be a really really strong team again. Um, they they pushed Rockwall last year in the third round of the playoffs. I think Klein Oak could be even better this year. Um, I think Desoto they're they're gonna they're, they had a good year last year. I think they have a chance to reemerge uh, with a big year. Um, as well, uh, so I, I think and you have you have Rockwall still sitting over there. Who even though they're, they're probably going to be a little bit down, they they did win the region last year, and then you know you have the Woodlands lurking. Um, so I think it's a, the Division One Region Two bracket um, definitely has better depth this year than it has in years past. Yeah, that's I think going to be really interesting. Is is um, you know one thing that I'm going to have my eye on, and you know I don't think I'm spoiling anything. Uh, hey guys, uh, Katie's going to be pretty good. Um, uh, I think Kay's gonna be pretty shocking. Good. Shocker, right? Yeah, I know. the The interesting thing, and and one of the reasons that, and I understand why people like the the pre division split, but I like to me this is the this is this is great because it's mostly pre division split or uh, pre pre split divisions rather. But then in six A, you you've still got that little taste of like, ooh, what if they get in? And yep, yep. there's this that you have to really predict it and kind of you know one one result can 
you know, late in the season can completely throw a playoff bracket off if it pushes one team into a division that we didn't expect. Um, so that, that's that's the fun part about 6A, especially late in the year, is trying to, to figure out those who goes where. And so so basically, and, and please pick up a copy of Dave. I'll, I don't have to tell you to pick up a copy. You've got one coming to you because you're an insider. Um, so when you take a look at District 19, because in District 19, uh, look, we're going to go out on a limb and say Katie's going to make the playoffs. Okay, they they might actually. I would love to see what their playoff streak is right now, but it's probably ten million. Um, they're gonna make the playoffs. I also think that right now it's probably fair to to pencil in, uh, Katie Tompkins. Right, Tompkins brings back Jalen Milrow. He's their only offensive starter, but I think they're going to be pretty good. Right, um, and then you know you've got. I think it's also probably fair to say that that uh, that that Katie Taylor is a likely playoff team. Yes. I think, that's, I think yes. that's, that's fair. Of course, they made it to a semifinal last year. I think that's fair, right? You know, maybe they take a step back, whatever, but that's fine. The interesting thing is going to be that race for fourth because you've got Seven Lakes, Morton Ranch, Maid Creek, theoretically Cinco Ranch, although they're coming off a winless season. Um, one of those teams is going to get that fourth place spot. And if it is Seven Lakes, right? If Seven Lakes makes the playoffs... Guys, Katie goes back to Division Two, and, and I will be honest. Right now, I would install them favorite, co-favorite to win win Division Two. Like that, that last spot, you know, May Creek, Morton Ranch, and Seven Lakes. It's it's a you know, May Creek was a surprise team last year, but they lost quite a bit. They've got a new coach. Uh, Morton Ranch has kind of always been kind of in the mix, but never really been great. And Seven Lakes, uh, they're they're in, they're kind of in their second year under a new regime as well. So I mean, you could take those three teams and really they're very evenly matched. And you know it could come down to a tiebreaker scenario. They could all they could all split against each other, and then it comes down to the point system. So th- there's there's not a lot of difference here. So Seven Lakes being fourth place is is as good a bet as any. It is. It's, it's just completely up for grabs at this point, at least at least in the preseason. Now we'll see what happens once the year gets started, and then maybe one of those teams starts to separate themselves. But even I look at Tompkins, and, and yeah. the, the last two years they've they've had great seasons. Tompkins is really young this year. Mm-hmm. They've only got one starter back on offense. That's quarterback Jalen Milrow, the uh, Texas commit. They've got a great running back back who technically didn't start last year, but I believe he's a Division One commit as well. But, other, but they have to replace their entire offensive line, and that's a big deal at the 6A level. It's, it's a big deal at any level, but it's magnified at the 6A level when you're going against uh, competition like you have in, in the KD district. Yeah, and, and that's what's going to make this, I think, really interesting is, is you know, you're going to have a game between, you know, Seven Lakes and Cinco Ranch, right? Which could have huge statewide implications. That's yes. the, that's that that's the crazy part of it, uh, you know. I, I want to bounce back up to Region One, and I because I think that Region One has it, it's. I think all eyes are going to be on District Five because of Allen and Geyer. Uh, you know, even adding like a, a Denton Braswell squad and Prosper. Right, there's a lot of really good teams in District Five, but like, I almost find that like falsely interesting. Because like I like I like when good teams play each other, but like I also care when they're stakes. And for Geyer and Allen, like unless one of them's gonna drop another district game, then like it you know, it doesn't matter. Geyer's gonna go to division two, 
Allen's going to go to Division One, and so to me, the much more interesting part is going to be something like seeing uh, how how South Lake Carroll, uh, you know, lands in Region One. Like, well, you know, or does it, they there's a lot of there's a lot of questions about South Lake Carroll. I think they're really interesting, and they obviously have a headliner in Quinn Ewers, but they're yes. they've got a lot of pieces to replace. They've right. got their, their their kind of their triplets back on offense, quarterback, running back, and receiver. Mm-hmm. But other than that, they got they have to replace their entire offensive line as well. And I think they have to replace their entire defensive line. Yeah, and basically their entire. I think they only have one starter back. I think, I think they have three starters on offense back and one on defense. Um, so they've got a lot of lot of holes to fill. But like you said, there's a chance South Lake Carroll goes Division Two if Keller and Keller Timber Creek make the playoffs. Both if both of them make the playoffs, that pushes South Lake Carroll to Division Two, um, and really that District Four Six A, after South Lake Carroll, Boy. the next the, the six teams behind them, there's there's very little difference between those six teams. They're all kind of very evenly matched, and you could mix and match countless playoff combinations. There's no no one is is a lot better than anybody else, but no one's a lot worse than anyone else. That that two through seven conglomerate is going to be really interesting to watch and if Keller and Timber Creek both find a way in the playoffs division two all of a sudden gets a lot more stronger yeah it's it's really it's going to be an interesting shakeup there just to see how you know again you're talking about games that you never would think would matter uh having major statewide implications right you know having uh you know because you're exactly right it's Carroll and then it's I mean uh, it's fair to say a huge drop-off I mean, yes. there was only one and then of, drop off. They're all about the same. Yeah, and th- and that's the thing is that like you look at Eaton, Keller, Byron Nelson, Keller Central, you know, Fossil Ridge, who you know I, I know didn't have a great year last year, but I think is capable of that. They bring back a pretty pretty veteran defense at least. And Timber Creek, like you could go any which way with that, and that's you know in a lot of ways, Carroll is kind of not in control of their own destiny, which makes that really interesting. Weird. It's weird. Yes. Okay. So then, Region Two, and again, uh, it's going to be another situation where all eyes are going to be on one district, District Eleven, with Duncanville, Desoto, Cedar Hill, and and Midway. By the way, um, I think that those are, are teams that, that are obviously going to jump off the page at people. Man, I keep I keep going back and forth, and and I guess you know I guess the, I really 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 like what Spring Westfield has coming back. Really like it, but there's not. Let me make sure I'm I'm right about this. But I don't think there's there's no way. I mean, there is a way that they could drop to Division Two, but they would need some upsets. They would need Aldine MacArthur and Aldine Davis, or all, they need Spring to make it, which is you know I think Spring should make it. Spring's Spring pretty pretty loaded. They, they got a lot back. They've been a perennial playoff team. I think I think the the I, I think the three Spring Spring ISD schools are the clearly the best teams in this district i think it's going to be that aldean battle for yeah. fourth but for the between eisenhower davis macarthur and nimitz yeah i think eisenhower gets the edge for that last playoff spot um i can't remember what i think it's either macarthur and nimitz has to get in also along with spring to push westfield uh last year macarthur got in and i, I just i don't know if they can do it again this year yeah i i think that that is um uh, that that's what's interesting is is uh, I I think if Westfield were to go to Division Two, man, I really I like them a lot. I, li- I like them a lot. If they were dropped Division Two, Division One, not so much. Like Division One, 
you know, you're going to run into Duncanville at some point, and it's probably over. Or you're going to run into, you know, maybe a team like uh, like DeSoto, and it's probably over. Uh, but Division, you know, Division Two feels like a lot more manageable. Um, and, and so Spring Westfield always always catches my eye, and especially this year they're in, in Region Two. Um, you know, you know what's going to catch my eye in, in Region Two? Hmm. Bridgeland. Mm. Especially being they, they'll be in the Division Two bracket more than likely. Yep. Bridgeland is a team that I think is on the major uptick. Wow. They, they really last year they were a year ahead of schedule and they lost I think by a point in the first round of the playoffs. They bring back I think seventeen or eighteen starters. They're they're really loaded. And they've got some talent. The Bridgeland Bears are, are going to be a force to be reckoned with in Division Two. They're going to be a problem. Um, this is this is going to be really really you know I I think that you're right and I mean yeah you're right they lost by one point to Vandergrift in the first round of the playoffs like that's serious business and they bring back they got a ton back eighteen starters yeah. eighteen starters they're going to be a problem okay uh, we talked about Region three I want to bounce down to Region four and and a lot of this I think a lot of the intrigue here I think people maybe look at Region four and they just go oh, okay it's San Antonio region and it's like it is. But it got a lot more interesting because now um, Austin has two districts in Region yes. in Region Four, and so you're talking about you know a, a team like Austin Vandegrift moving from Region Two to Region Four, the other side of the bracket. All those teams, Vandegrift, Visseridge, Round Rock, you know, you're having a promotion, a promoted Hutto in there. Um, that suddenly <laughs> now it's a solid it's, district. Yeah, and and now. I feel like Region Four got really deep all of a sudden. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the Austin teams, Westlake and Lake Travis, have, have dominated this region in the past four years, in essence. Um, I think adding Vandergrift um, in, the, in the, the Round Rock schools uh, at least gives a little more balance to the Austin area, where it's not just Lake Travis and Westlake. I think those teams from from District Twenty Five Six A can can play with Lake Travis and Westlake on a good day. Um, so I, I think that'll at least give Lake Travis and Westlake some early early competition um, before they get to the later rounds of the playoffs. Um, the other big thing in this region for me is Judson, their enrollment being much lower and moving now prob- a probable Division Two team. You know, Judson's running to Lake Travis in the regional uh, regional finals two of the past three years, I believe, and has fallen short. They've played Lake Travis three years in a row and fallen short in all three years. So um, Judson moving down to Division Two with, with with what looks to be a pretty good team um, could be some additional challenges to the defending state champions, Westlake. Um, I think on the Division One side, I think it's a lot more Lake Travis against the field. I, I just, I you know, I just don't see a lot of teams that are slated to be Division One in Region Four that are going to have the the manpower to really push yeah. Lake Travis at this point. Um, you know. I have Shirts Clemens kind of being the other side of the regional finals of Lake Travis, but again, I, I think Lake Travis is is clearly uh, above the field of Division One. I. I think the Division Two bracket where you have uh, Judson and Vandergrift opposite of Westlake, uh, Judson Vandergrift and even Brandeis opposite of Westlake could be you know Westlake would have a lot more potential um, challenges before they get to the state semifinals. Well, and that is something that I I did um, I, I I you know whenever you pick up your Whenever you get your 2020 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, um, I wrote the 6A preview, and one of the things that really struck me is that be- is that that with the realignment, the Division One, Division Two, it's not like people are not where you got to check their enrollments again, like because yeah. 
Like, ju- like the fact that Judson is going to Division Two is wild to me, and it's just going to take me a minute to figure it out. Like, it's just gonna it's just gonna take me a minute to because they have forever been like this big behemoth there in. San yeah, four thousand kids, thirty high thirty thousands. You know, they've been they've been a really large school. And now, because of for those who don't know, San Antonio Veterans Memorial is in Judson ISD. That basically they took, you know, they 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 lopped off a fair amount of their kids, and so now, you know, they have an enrollment under. Let me, let me pull this up. I think they're under three thousand. Yeah, they're, they're twenty five hundred. Yeah, they're smaller. They're smaller than Cibolo Steel. Yeah. That is wild to me. Like it's just going to take me a minute. And but I also think you talk about a program that will match up better in the playoffs in Division Two because they're they they're they got to be tired of getting their you know their hides tanned by 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 Lake Travis the past few years. So you know now Westlake's certainly going to have something to say about that. But at the same time, like it's just one of those moments that because we're in realignment, you just got to check your priors. Like, like rethink. You've, you've got to like rewire your brain every two years to be like, oh yeah, that's 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 gonna be different. So, um, yeah. Overall, um, do you want to make a? Do, do, would would you care to make a bold some bold predictions? So, if you're you're putting me on the spot for the state championships on June 11th, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Duncanville North Shore Part Three. Ooh. I think we're gonna have a trilogy like we had with Cedar Hill, Katie. Uh, I think we're gonna get Duncanville North Shore Part Three. Um, I still give the edge to North Shore because I think North Shore has the weaponry, especially at receiver, that that challenges the Duncanville defense in a way that a lot of people can't. And their offensive line is good enough to at least play to a stalemate with that Duncanville defensive line. So North Shore, I think, just matches up with Duncanville. Um, in Division Two, I'm going to go. This this is really difficult. I think we're going to see a Denton Geyer Cedar Hill State semifinal, mm-hmm. um, kind of a rematch of last year's area round playoff game. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to take Cedar Hill over Geyer in that one, and I think Westlake's going to get back to the title game. Um, and I think we're going to see a Cedar Hill Westlake state championship game, and uh, I'll go Cedar Hill over Westlake for the state title this year. All right, just kind of on a little bit of a little bit of a limb there. I'm going to entirely agree with you on one of them, and entirely disagree on another one. Um, right. For six A, I am going to for D one. I'm going to entirely agree. I think that it's North Shore and Duncanville, and while North Shore does have some pieces to replace, especially on that defensive side, and that gives me a little bit of pause. But they've got the guy. They've got Demetrius Davis, and they've got some, and and Chadrick Banks should be back, which yep. I think is going to make them the the team to beat. Uh, Duncanville. Still like what they have coming back. I think their defense, they 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 have some paces to replace, especially in the secondary. But I think that they're like they're getting Kendrick Blackshear back. going to be nasty. Yeah, I I think so. And so and then you know they they you know, I think part that Chris Parsons is going to take over full time at quarterback. I think he'll be fine. He you know he won't be Jaquin and Jackson, but that's an unfair comparison. It's a different player. Yeah. Duncanville's offense is going to look different because Parsons is more of a. Uh, pocket passer. He yeah. can run a little bit, but Parsons pr- pr- prefers to be in the pocket yeah. and push the ball downfield. Where Jaquindon was more of the guy on the on the jet sweep, the the counter, the the, the read read game. Uh, that was more of his thing. So Duncanville's offense is going to look a lot different this year because they need to cater to, to Parsons' skill set. Mm-hmm. Skill set. And so there's that. And I'm going to entirely disagree with you on Division Two. In Division Two, um, yeah, I could see. Um, I could see certainly um, a, a, a Guy or Cedar Hill 
um, se- you know, a semifinal. I think that that's 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 a, a there's a lot to like there, um, and I, I, I'll even agree with you there. And I will say, but I'm going to give the edge to Geyer, the early edge to Geyer, and I think Katie's going to come out of the right side of the bracket. Okay, I think I, I, I will. I will say caveat: if Katie goes, to, it, I have Katie in Division One in uh-huh. my picks. But if Katie goes Division Two, then I absolutely think Katie would play for the state title. And I think, I think, I think I would take Katie. I think Katie's going to be a, a problem. I, I think that you know they they bring back a, 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 a basically a four year starter quarterback. Bronson McClellan is still there. Like how? How does how, he have any eligibility left? He's been there for seven hundred years. But he's back. Uh, they've got the, the the big transfer running back in um, that I think is gonna is gonna do some some damage there. Uh, I think that Kate. I would I would take right now. I'd go Katie over Geyer in a state championship. So uh, make sure you hold us to that. Uh, and, and these these predictions that yeah, we're making sure. on June 11th, when we don't even know what the season's going to look like. So yeah. anyway, uh, all right. I want to wrap this up with some very important talk because we mentioned that you've been on the road. Because you drove out to the best place in the world. I did. You drove out to Big Bend. And yeah. we you you called me from Alpine basically to rub it in. Uh, a little. A little. <laughs> I just wanted to share the glory of Alpine. So this was you, – you had been to Alpine before, but it had been more of a stop instead of a destination. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, I've been to Alpine for seven on seven, ironically. So I've been around a little bit, but I hadn't really got a chance to experience all that is Alpine and the Big Bend region because I've never been down to the National Park, which is about 100, 108 miles uh, down the road from Alpine. And, and yeah. when they say down the road, that's, that's what they mean because it's it's 108 miles, but it's, it's a quick 108 miles. Like yeah, it's, such a- it's the quickest 108 miles you'll ever drive because yes, you, can, there- cause you can go <laughs> – 90 miles an hour you know what i mean and there's you know you know, and there's nothing between there's no towns it's yeah. just beautiful scenery the whole way down and and it's it's uh it's a unique place it's really uh you know I, I spent saturday in alpine um dining at alpine's fine eating establishments alpine for a town that size has a lot of great places to eat it's a pretty town in and of itself with the mountains kind of surrounding it they have a really cool old ballpark um just a great town people are super friendly and then sunday morning i t- took the drive down to big bend and, and was just just amazed uh, at the national park it, it you know i only spent a few hours in the national park but it i really need to spend like three days down there it, it's just glorious it's it is just other than the grand canyon and, and niagara falls it's probably the, the naturally the most wonderful thing i've ever seen with my own two eyes it's a it's my favorite place in the world down there and you know, you've got to be, you've got to be, like, it. I, I want to be clear that it's not for everybody. Like, if you're going down no. there and expecting to be like entertained, like, you're barking up the wrong tree. So it's just not going to happen. But if you're into natural beauty and you are into, especially socially like, distancing. yeah, socially distancing, and you're into like, if you're into mountains and desert and those two t- things combined, there's just nothing like it. Like. And, and, yeah. and the thing for me that I think always gets me, I can go there, I've been there twice, and I was thinking, or three times technically, and the thing that always gets me is the vastness. It just keeps going massive ever. So, so my destination at, at Big Ben was Santa Elena Canyon, which is just magnificent. But it Santa Elena Canyon is literally 
on the Rio. The Rio Grande is what cuts the canyon. Um, and you can actually go down into the canyon, and, and people are swimming in the Rio Grande. Mm-hmm. Um, but from from the park entrance to Santa Elena Canyon, it's a 45-minute drive <laughs> from the park entrance <laughs> to the canyon. So you have to drive. So you get to the park, and you're like, oh, man, I'm going to be here in five minutes. No, it's 40, It's a good 45 minutes to the um, to the canyon. And then you got to hike. It's about a mile uh, – about a, almost a mile hike. Uh, to get from the parking lot where you park to go to the trail to get actually into the canyon. It's about a mile hike. Um, and it's not a difficult hike. I mean, the hardest part is probably you have to go up up the canyon a little bit. Uh, and then you kind of go back down to get into the into the actual canyon. But it's not a, it's not a difficult hike. But it's a, it's another – it's about a mile, yeah. you know. And so you it's you got you to gotta be wanting to get there to get there. And it's uh, – like I said, it's fantastic. And then so I – Left the, the I spent about an hour down in the canyon, just hanging out, people watching, and just kind of taking it all in. And so then I, you know, get back to the to the car. Mind you, I hadn't had, you know, it's one thirty in the afternoon now, and I haven't had lunch because, you know, I had like a granola bar or something because it was, you know, there's no places to eat. You know, you're in the, in the middle of a na- national park. There's there's a restaurant I think on the other side of the park, but it's like a thirty minute drive. Mm-hmm. But I decided to. Um, take the scenic route back to, back to Alpine and drive on FM 170 um, for uh, to, to the river, to see the river road, El Camino del de, uh, Camino del Real, Real yeah, Rio, like. something like that. I forgot what it's called in Spanish, but um, it's FM 170 between Terlingua and Presidio. And you talk about a stunning drive. It's gorgeous. It's, it's this winding road that goes up mountains, and you go over these vistas where you're looking right down, and the, the Rio Grande just cuts, cuts through there, and, it, and there's, there's people down there rafting and, and all kinds of stuff, and, and it's just gorgeous. It's a gorgeous about an hour drive over to uh, Presidio, and then you go up Presidio to Marfa and then cut back across to Alpine. So uh, it was a full day, but I, I highly recommend it. I know you drove the river road as well. Mm-hmm. I could not imagine driving that road at night, though. My goodness, no, that, that no, road no, no. has got some windy and some and some cliffs, and it's it's. but do it during the day and you and, and take your time and, and just enjoy the drive and the scenery. You, you'll appreciate yeah. it quite a bit. You're exactly right, and, one, and you, that road cuts through what may actually be the best-kept secret, which is Big Bend Ranch State Park. That yes. uh, there's Big Bend National Park down there, which uh, is is beautiful, and that's where Santa Elena Canyon is. But it, it, it does have all the tra- even even for something as as wide open as that, it does have all the trappings of the state park, which is that things there's there's paved roads and there's you know places to camp and there's restrooms and there's you know there's there's a, a camp uh, a, a ranger stations things like that. You won't notice them because it's so huge, but it is a little bit more. Uh, polished, right? Yeah. Well, it, yes. It, it looks like a national park. Uh, big Bend Ranch State Park is just this big, vast wilderness that I believe was, if I I would need to check this, but I'm pretty sure it was gifted to the state. It was donated to the state under the express purposes that they would never build anything on it. They'd just be like, no, you just have to, like, just leave it as is. And, yeah, and and I, there was there there was a horse that crossed the. I, I think it was a wild horse. It didn't look very tame to me. No, a horse crossed the road, uh, <laughs> you know, and just kind of hanging out. And there was cows down down by the river. And, I, and there's signs in there that say, you know, wild livestock. Basically, I don't know if these cows are kept by anyone or what. There are cows down there, and and you know, I think there are some. You, you can buy permits to go down into the into the, into the to go 
in the river. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, I'm talking to some locals, no one buys permits. They just go down there because there's literally no one around. It's literally no one around. I, I think I saw one state park ranger on the 50-mile drive. Um, so they, they were just like, oh, yeah, we just go down there. I said, well, the signs say, you know, must must purchase permit. They're like, yeah, we don't purchase permit. Be like, oh, be like don't, 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 you know, don't, don't set anything on fire don't rip anything up you know it's a social contract basically yeah you just kind of go down there and enjoy enjoy nature it, it's it's really something to enjoy it's 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 beautiful so i, I strongly recommend I had a couple of coaches text me and ask me about it and i if, if you like nature and you, you want to just literally get away and just get away from the hustle and bustle of daily life there's no better place to do it than big Bang. and and the one thing and maybe you noticed it a little bit because you stayed in alpine right yeah, I stayed in it because if I was going to do two or three days at the park at Big Bend National Park, I would have either stayed in Lahias or, or stayed in the national at, at one of the cabins in the yeah. park. Uh, but since I was only doing a day, I just decided to drive down from Alpine for the one day. The only the only thing that I would say that you you maybe missed out on is nighttime out there is astonishing because it's like you've never seen that many stars because there's no light. Like there's nothing lit up, and so it's just pitch black except for the stars, and it's it's the best stargazing you'll ever do in your entire life. And a, a, a to circle it all the way back around, a shout out to Alpine because Alpine's a dope city. Alpine's a really cool town. <laughs> it's it's very underrated. We we, we love Alpine, and uh, we will open up a DCTF satellite office in Alpine. Man, that's the, that's that's the dream. That's the dream. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. That's another episode of Tap and Step. In the bag, in the pocket, out of sight. Um, thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love you very much. You should be, depending on how long you've been an insider, uh, your magazine should be, they, they may be getting mailed out today. The earliest, 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 you'll probably see somebody tweet it, that somebody will get their magazine on like the 13th, like that's Saturday. Uh, I don't control the mail. All I know is that they are being mailed from Carrollton, Texas. Uh, a big batch of them are being mailed from Carrollton, Texas, like today, like this afternoon. And so if you live right near Carrollton, Texas, there's a chance that you get your magazine two days later. Uh, but I will say that if you are a subs- if you're a current subscriber, you've been subscribed since, like, you know, last week. If your magazine's not there by next Friday, like uh, by uh, June 19th, June 10th, if it's not there then holler at me and we'll make sure we get you an update. So that's the best yes. thing to do. Um, so we, want you to, we, want, we want you to have this magazine. Really and do. if there's a mistake, please don't tell me. <laughs> there's yes. already, like, can we, by the way, Jimmy Thomas at Bushland, I'm putting you on notice. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one where, like, the day after the magazine came out? Yeah. It was, like, it was the South Sand, I think South Sand, like, literally the day after he yeah. went and, and then, like, by the way, Clint Lindman's leaving McLean. That's a six-man one. It's like, what are we doing? Oh, I'm so mad. Anyway. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for Wait us. another week, at least. I Come know. on. Seriously. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. And, Step, thanks for your courage. Thanks, sir. See you next time on Tap and Step.